In this episode of CMO, I'm going to go over a feedback technique that I learned in one of our BIDMC Academy workshops with Dr. Laura Rock, who created this template of providing feedback that goes, I saw, I think, and I wonder. And I'll break down each of these three steps, which I think is going to completely replace the sandwich method that we've all been taught at some point in our upbringing for how we give feedback to others. Because I think this creates a much more valuable situation where you can provide direct feedback to somebody and allow them to provide their perspective so that from their perspective, you're able to identify actionable things that are actually worthwhile for someone to be able to try and fix in a way that makes it seem like you really care about who they are as a person and I think makes them more receptive to the feedback that you're giving them. Ultimately, when we're giving people feedback, especially in the medical training world, there's two things that I'm hoping to accomplish. One, prevent imposter syndrome and allow good residents and good medical trainees to realize that there are specific things that they're doing well and that they should keep doing those things. But two, to also create medical trainees and doctors who are the best that they can possibly be that they aren't carrying over bad habits from training to their independent life when no one is supervising them anymore or providing them the same feedback that they were getting in medical school and in residency. So I hope you appreciate this new style of providing feedback. I hope you try it out. And as always, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Collecting My Observations. Welcome to Collecting My Observations. Enter into the stream of thoughts that flow through the mind of an ICU fellow who is on his way to becoming an anesthesiologist and intensivist. This is where patients live on the verge of life and death. As the name implies for this episode, we're going to be talking about feedback. But before I get into this episode, I want to let you as a listener know how you can give me some feedback about this podcast. Now, last episode where I interviewed Dr. Aaron Richmond was a huge hit. I got a lot of feedback via text messages where people said they really liked the episode and passed it along to people that they knew. And I pretty much get feedback in two different ways for the podcast. One is objectively looking at the listeners that I get on a daily basis and on a per episode basis. And so far, my top listen to podcast is from season one of behind the drapes where i interviewed 10 different anesthesiologists about their career paths and how they got to where they are today but now i've noticed that cmo has really picked up and it's a listenership and it's starting to take over that first season of behind the drapes so that's really the cool feedback that i get in terms of listenership and objective data but in terms of subjective data this is where you guys can help me now it's been fun to have this creative process and come up with new ideas, but what I want to make sure that I'm doing is that I'm keeping this podcast useful and purposeful for all of you out there listening to it. The best thing you can do for me in terms of making this podcast findable for others is reviewing it and rating it on whatever platform you use, whether that's Spotify or Apple, uh, leaving a five-star review as well as a written out review of what you like about the show and what you get out of it. That's really helpful for people who are first discovering the show for the first time and want to know what it's all about. Secondly, if you have my cell phone number or you follow me on Instagram, feel free to reach out to me that way to let me know what you think about the show. Not only positive things, but things that you'd like to hear in the future or things that you think I can improve on. All of those things I take seriously and 
like I've mentioned before in the past, this podcast is becoming something of a lane that I'm carving for myself in the anesthesia and critical care world and something I take very seriously and have a huge passion for. So all I want to do with that feedback is make the show as great as I can for all of you guys who take the time out there to listen to it. So that's the only aside and the plug that I have for this podcast. So now let's get back to the main course of this episode. So the reason I'm talking about feedback is because I had another workshop with the BIDMC Academy, which is basically a year-long commitment, at least for me since I'm a fellow, where I go to different workshops to learn about different teaching strategies and basically learn from some of the educators who are involved in either the Harvard Medical School or the Beth Israel Deaconess uh, teaching community. And this workshop happened to be about feedback. And Dr. Laura Rock is the uh, medicine attending and intensivist who led this workshop for us. Now, feedback is something that is an inherently part of our dialect and our communication with each other as human beings. And this feedback comes in verbal and nonverbal ways. And I'll just use the type of feedback that I get, for example, in my everyday life. We'll start with verbal feedback. Let's say you are asking somebody to do something that they don't want to do or that they think, you know, in a clinical situation may be dangerous for a patient. Now, that person, if they have enough confidence, will stand up to you and say, you know, what? I think that's a terrible idea. I think that's very dangerous for the patient. I think we should consider other options. If they don't have that confidence and they don't feel like they have the space to speak up in that moment, then maybe some of the nonverbal feedback you're going to get in that situation is somebody not making eye contact with you or being very shy about being a part of that conversation because they don't feel comfortable with where that plan is going. Now on the flip side, let's say we want to talk about a positive feedback that you're getting from somebody. For example, throughout my training process, I've had attendings tell me you can clearly do procedures in a timely fashion and safe fashion. That's very good feedback. Um, but there's also nonverbal feedback where people just have trust in you to just go handle something. That was a lot of the feedback that I felt like I was getting, especially towards the end of my residency time where there was a trust that was built up and I knew that that was my feedback to be confident in myself. Now, one of the things that she, Dr. Rock, started the presentation with that really stuck with me was the amount of imposter syndrome that we have in medicine is likely a result of poor feedback that we're giving to people. And I've totally been in the situation before where people sort of just say, you're great, you're doing excellent, but they don't really give you specific reasons why they think you're doing so great or why they think you're an excellent resident or whatever. And that leaves you in a very confused state as a recipient of that feedback because you don't know what it is a about yourself or about your technique or what you're doing that makes yourself great. So obviously I'm no perfect human and there's things about the way I practice medicine and my technique that can be approved upon. But what this general feedback leaves you with is this sensation of either this person doesn't care or isn't taking the time to find specific feedback to give me, or maybe they're just too shy to tell me the things I need to work on. But regardless, it leaves you feeling confused because you don't know how to handle feedback like that. So that's really how we started the conversation, which really had me focused in on how important this conversation is going to be. Because ultimately, 
I'm going to be the one who's going to be giving feedback to residents, fellows, medical students in the pretty near future. The other alarming thing that she brought up was this poll that a physician did on Twitter where he asked people how much they would trust one of their co-residents to take care of a family member. Majority of people voted that they trusted 50% of their co-residents to take care of their patients as opposed to the other options which were 100%, 75%, or 25% of their co-residents. Which is another really alarming number, right? 50% of your co-residents is what majority of people said that they trusted to take care of their family member. Meaning that they didn't trust half of their residency class to take care of their family member. Now for anyone who is in medicine, who is either a medical student, a resident, or an attending who's listening to this, can probably think back to medical school or even the residency and think about people who they feel like may have just gotten pushed along throughout the system because the system is created where it's so hard to fail somebody out once they get far enough in this process to the point where programs and administrators just want to move people along in order to not have their program under scrutiny. But this is where as mentors and as educational attendings, we can use feedback as a way to change the trajectory of how somebody is going in their residency training. Now the basic understanding that I had of feedback when I came into this workshop was a sandwich method, which I don't know when I learned this, but it seems like almost everybody in their lifetime has heard about the sandwich method. And if you haven't heard it, basically the way you give feedback is you say something positive, then you say something that maybe the person can work on, and then you leave them with something positive. So if I was just giving feedback to myself, I would say, you did a great job waking up to your alarm this morning. You could have taken less time to get yourself ready in the morning and picking out what you're going to wear for that day but you made sure to drive safely on your daily commute and did not rush into work. Now, there's something to be said about the fact that you're pointing out the positive things and the negative things, and being specific about those things can be helpful for people, but you almost miss out on more educational opportunities for people who really need specific pointers and specific ways to improve who they are. So what I'm going to do in this episode is take you through the approach that she created uh, herself. So I'm not taking any credit for this. This is Dr. Laura Rock who created this way of providing feedback. And she's doing some research on it, which should be coming out probably in the next year or two, uh, about how it's being used in medical education. But I think it's a really good way to not only provide feedback in the medical education system, but as we were practicing this, she even used it as an example of ways that she communicates with her children as a way to instill better behavior when she has to give feedback to them. So before you even start giving feedback, the thing that you have to create with a person who you're giving feedback to is psychological safety. You need that person to believe that you are not trying to just attack them and that you have their best interest in mind. Now the way that you can create this psychological safety is with what we call the basic assumption. Now the basic assumption is something that comes from the medical simulation world, but I think it can be applied generally to anyone who's in the healthcare field. And the basic assumption goes like this. I believe they or we are intelligent, capable, 
care about what they are doing, and want to do their best and improve. And we are on the same team and want what's best while we're taking care of this patient. Now, having that basic assumption really, I think, creates a lot of psychological safety because you eliminate the thought that somebody may be doing something with a malicious intent. Nobody in healthcare is doing something because they want to provide less optimal care to people. However, they may have blind spots for ways that they can improve their patient outcome or the way that they're treating patients, and that's where this feedback can really have a huge role. So next thing you want to do after you've created this basic assumption, and the way you create this basic assumption is really spending some time with somebody. So as an attending in the ICU, you're going to be spending a week with residents potentially at a time, or maybe at least like four to five days with residents at a time. And that having that basic assumption with the way you treat your team and the way you interact with everybody is really going to create psychological safety with those team members when it's time for you to give them feedback. The other important thing that you point out to do is when you have this time with different team members, it's really important to take notes or at least be able to recall specific details so that when you come into the conversation and you're giving that feedback, you have specific details that you can refer back to as opposed to just talking about very generalizable things where somebody may take it as you are just sort of characterizing them in a very generalizable way. Now, the way she described the setup for this conversation is you're going to preview the specific topic with whoever you're going to be talking about. You're going to preview the specific topic with whoever your mentee or your trainee is that you're going to give feedback to. And the way you can phrase this is, I'd like to talk about blank is now a good time. So to put an example in there, you could say, I'd like to talk about how that family meeting went is now a good time. So this way, the person who you're going to give feedback to knows exactly why you're going to give them feedback. And you're also allowing them to say, no, this is not a good time. I'm busy right now and I would not be receptive in the situation. Or on the flip side of that, if they're free and mentally available to accept this feedback, you allow them to sort of open the door for you to come in. Then the next part of this is where you really give the feedback. And instead of the sandwich method where you have three different bullet points, her three different bullet points are, I saw, I think, and I wonder. Now let's start with I saw. So this is where your detailed and your precise notes will really play a role here because what you will ultimately say is, we'll go back to that family meeting example. I noticed that you weren't making very good eye contact with a family member's wife during that family meeting. Or I heard some quick responses to the family member's concerns where you weren't letting them complete their thoughts and you were cutting them off in the conversation. So that is specific moments that you can refer to that brings that person's attention to what you're talking about. Now, the next portion of this is I think. Now, this is where you basically say why this is important. So in this situation, you can say, I'm concerned that when you're not making good eye contact with a patient's family member, you may seem disinterested in the conversation or you aren't making the best possible nonverbal communications that you could in that situation. Or I'm concerned that when you're cutting off a family member, they may feel like you aren't listening to them fully and allowing them to say what they need to say in this conversation. 
Now, last part of this is I wonder. So this is where you really open up their perspective. You invite them to give their perspective on the situation. Now, there's a lot of things that we don't know about each other because we're only seeing each other in a snapshot of time. Because, for example, it's very difficult for me to know what the living situation of all the residents are who I'm working with, whether they're going through breakups or they just got into a car accident that day or they have a family member or a loved one going through a tough situation. There's always life events that are happening outside of someone's job that may be impacting the way that they're performing at their job. And so by saying, I wonder, what do you think about this feedback? Or let me get back to a specific example. How do you think your communication was going with the family members during that family meeting? Allows them to bring their own perspective and respond to your feedback. What you really want to drive with this question is curiosity about the person because you want to avoid being judgmental and open up the door of just trying to understand them more. Once you sort of understand them and take away their perspective, this potentially opens up the door for actionable plans where you can actually give them some advice at that point to say, okay, so this was your first family meeting and you were uncomfortable with the emotional weight that comes with having to tell a family member that they are having multiple organ failure and things are going in the wrong direction. Totally understandable and it makes sense as to why it was difficult for you to hold eye contact and why you wanted to rush the conversation and get out of there. But without knowing that information, you aren't able to have a more fruitful conversation. So in a situation like that where someone feels like the weight of it was too much and they were inexperienced and that's what we were seeing, you know, inexperience is something that is solvable with time. And ultimately, just knowing when to call for help or when, when to lean on your supervisors when you're feeling inexperienced is really the learning example in this specific example of a family meeting that I'm referring to. But globally, what I want you to take away from that is just you're better able to pinpoint an actionable step when you invite their perspective of why perhaps they were not performing to what your expectation was for that situation. And then lastly, the way you finish this conversation is you summarize the takeaways and then plan for some follow-up. So in this situation, the summary and takeaway from this was the family meeting could have gone better and the areas of concern were the lack of eye contact and the cutting off of other family members. We think this was a result of a resident being inexperienced in this position and not having the confidence to hold this conversation and be the leader of this conversation. And the plan for follow-up is there are likely going to be more opportunities to hold family meetings and be the leader of family meetings. And now that this feedback has been pointed out to you, let's try and improve on it the next time you're in that situation. Now, when you think about those steps, I saw, I think, I wonder, and hopefully I did a reasonable job at playing out a scenario where you can use this it clearly seems so much more effective than a sandwich method where you're almost BSing your way of coming up with something positive on either side of the sandwich when really what you want to get to is the meat of the sandwich and just like really point out that someone did something that you didn't totally agree with. But by taking the time to 
point out specific details that you saw, taking the time to point out your concern about those details that you saw, and then finalizing it with taking in the perspective of the trainee, that really creates a full loop conversation where both people are involved and I think greater outcomes and greater growth can come from that conversation. So for me as an educator, and honestly, even in my everyday life where conflicts inherently come up and someone who is very non-confrontational and would rather just accept something the way it is and not really get into it with someone who I disagree with, this is definitely something I can see myself implementing in the near future every time, honestly, that I'm interacting with residents and hopefully any time that I come up with conflict in my own life. Taking notes on residents was not something I've ever really done before, but something I'm going to try. And like anything you do in life, the first time you try something, like giving feedback in this method, it probably won't go as smoothly as someone like Dr. Laura Rock presented it. However, the more you try it and the more you practice it, the better you're going to get at feedback. And that's really going to be my goal the rest of the year is figure out how I can give medical residents and medical students appropriate and efficient feedback so that they can be the best possible trainee they can and that when they're finished with their training and they go out into the real world as attendings and independent doctors, they're someone that I am willing to trust with one of my own family members and I'm not scared of the outcomes or who they're going to be as physicians after they graduate. So I encourage you, if you're an educator or a mentor for others, try this out. The I saw, I think, I wonder technique. And again, I told you different ways that you can reach out to me, but let me know what you think about this method of providing feedback. I think the more you practice it, like I mentioned, the better you're going to get out of it. And I think people, when you talk to them, will be very receptive to this because of that last step where you invite their perspective. Lastly, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you listening to CMO. If you like this episode of CMO, be sure to hit the subscribe button to the Behind the Drapes podcast, where you can hear more episodes just like this and have the new episodes downloaded to your homepage as they come out. If you want to check out some of the educational content that I put out, check out my social media page on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube, and that's at Keywords by Kenny, at Keywords X Kenny, and that'll get you to these short videos that I put out about different educational topics related to anesthesia and the ICU.